Welcome to Family Life Today, brought to you with the compliments of this station and power to change. We're always encouraged to receive your feedback and comments on the program, but I'll tell you how you can do that at the conclusion. But now, here are your Family Life Today presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson. Okay, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but if you had to recite the Ten Commandments right here, right now, could you do it? Not word for word, but would you get them right? Um, I think I'd come close. I know that you could because you've preached on a lot. Let's hear it. No, I'm not going to do it. Oh, I'm put you on the spot. <laughs> you're putting me on the I'm not going to do it. I was reading this book recently that quoted uh, about the Ten Commandments and quoted that Americans were asked this mm-hmm. and they could name the ingredients of a Big Mac better than they could uh, remember the Ten Commandments. I could not do a Big Mac. I have no you idea. You have to remember the song. To Two, two special patties. patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, on the sesame bun. There you go. Mm-hmm. We got it. And by the way, that was Jen Wilkin over there. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's in the studio of Family Life. Making her debut And you wrote a, a book singer. on the Ten Commandments, but you actually know the ingredients of a Big Mac, too. I do. I actually know the Ten Commandments, too, but it's because I what learned you... some really great hand signals. What? Oh. Too bad it's a radio program. What? I can't show them Did to you. you. Oh. Well, we've talked about one, two, three, and four. Yes. Jen Wilkin is back talking about her book, Ten Words to Live By. The subtitle is Delighting in and Doing What God Commands. Oh, you just had to get that in there. Didn't I wanted you? to because people are going to want to buy this book. Yeah. So honor your father and mother. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're mom and dad, so we're like, yeah, we love that one. Uh-huh. But what uh-huh. does that really, really mean? Yeah. Most of us have thrown this one out to small children when things are not going well. And I have this distinct memory of my mother saying, now you're going to want to honor me if you want to live a long time. Do you want to <laughs> live a long time? Because there is a promise attached yep. to it. It says that your days may be long upon the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And so I crack up when I remember that because... Uh, Actually, Carmen Joy Imes has pointed this out so beautifully in her book on the Ten Commandments. First of all, it's important for us to remember that the Ten Commandments are not actually given to an audience of children. They're giving to an audience of adults. And so when we think about honoring our father and mother, we should mm-hmm. think as an adult child, how do I show honor to my father and mother? But what Carmen points out is that the your days being long upon the land is a promise to the community, not to the individual. It's saying that if you show honor to your elders, then God will bless the community uh, for as many years as you are in the land. Mm. And I love that so much. Um, Jen, why did God include that? Why is that so important to him, do you think? Well, I think you can see even in our culture that we uh, we honor youth and um, we, we, sure we worship it. Uh, not all cultures have, but ours certainly does. I think everyone has a tendency to see people's value in terms of contribution. And the older that we get, our contributions become less about producing tangible things and more about giving wisdom to those who are doing the producing. And in a culture like ours, you you become increasingly invisible the older that you get. And what's being talked about here is in terms of your actual family, making sure that those who are older receive the care and the dignity that they deserve as they age, um, that, that we listen to the things that they know and have learned. But the Puritans would say that this expands beyond our understanding of just our immediate family to anyone who is in authority over us, either by virtue of wisdom or age or their position. And so I always love this because... There are so many people who have a hard time picking a Mother's Day card or a Father's Day card because they have a difficult story with a parent. 
And what the fifth command is telling us is that we should be at no loss to be able to honor fathers and mothers. They may be spiritual fathers and mothers. You can feel the Ten Commandments are now shifting. We've had that we are to show honor to God, and now we're seeing show honor to earthly authorities over us. And then they will pivot from there and say, now here's how you can love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, there's a history here with Family Life, uh, the founder and president, Dennis Rainey, wrote a book on this commandment. Mm-hmm. And all he was saying was, is exactly what you said, Jen. I don't know if you ever heard about this, but he said one of the ways you could do that is write a tribute mm-hmm. to your mom or your dad or both. Mm-hmm. Um, and often it was written by us adult children mm-hmm. to a parent that we didn't honor, you know, that yeah. we hadn't forgiven. I remember writing one to my mom. I mean, it was the greatest gift I'd mm-hmm. ever given. Forget the Mother's Day cards and the mm-hmm. flowers. That meant so much. Mm-hmm for her son to honor her. I know that when and it my, changed our relationship mm-hmm. because of me choosing mm-hmm. to obey that commandment. Mm-hmm. When my parents had their 60th wedding anniversary, I asked all my siblings to write a tribute. Basically, I put a scrapbook together mm-hmm. and I said, just tell mom and then separately tell dad the things that you have loved and the ways that they have impacted you. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, I can still, my parents are gone now. They just passed away, both of them, in the last few years. They'd been married 70 years. But I can still picture them sitting on the couch, mm-hmm. opening this book and crying. Mm-hmm. They read it out loud. All their grandkids, some of the great grandkids were around them. And to see the joy that that brought them. Mm-hmm. There's something so beautiful about legacy, too. And for all the grandkids, 12 grandsons. Yes. And even the great grandkids who were then super little, but it was so beautiful to watch that. And I thought, this is right. Mm-hmm. This is good. And I and it feels like it honors God as oh, we honor absolutely. them. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I thought we we're only going to get two today. We're going to get at least three. Okay. Okay. Great. So mm-hmm. the next one, do not murder, we think it's just... Well, you you explain it because you explain it so well. You call it honor life. Mm -hmm. That's right. All of the Ten Commandments are dealing with some aspect of honor. And when we come to the one on do not murder, that's where a lot of us are like, oh, thank goodness. I finally finally hit one. And I'm like, I definitely have not done that. Right. And that's when you really don't want to go to the New Testament and read Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount because he links this particular command to sinful anger and contempt. Like there's a terrible progression that he points out um, when he talks about, you know, calling your brother a fool or saying raka. And that's an incremental increase in your contempt for someone, the way that he he plays it out. And the point that he's making is um, basically at that moment, he is surrounded by some listeners who pride themselves on not having broken this command. And he's saying, Not that it is equally bad to be angry with someone as it is to murder someone, but do you know how you avoid having murder at all Mm -hmm. by not letting your anger devolve into sin and into contempt? Because Mm -hmm. the second that you are able to say raka, which is the equivalent of saying someone is worthless, the second that you devalued someone, you're on a path to being able to say, and since you're worthless, what will it matter if I take your life? When we understand 
murder as the end result of contempt and that contempt is the baby of anger that goes uncontrolled. Uh, now, I'm, you know, anger is not a sin in and of itself. It's a negative emotion, but we all know that within a nanosecond, we can take it to a sinful place. So he's, he's basically warning them, if you're not aware of how murder happens in the first place, then don't consider yourself above the law. You're breaking the law. You're breaking the law in your heart before your hands um, actually pick up a knife and stab someone. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You even mentioned that we are called to be our brother's keeper. Mm -hmm. Explain that. Well, you know, this is the chilling part about the command not to murder is that you have the whole story in Genesis 3 where the serpent shows up and Adam and Eve sin. And um, they are told now instead of being co-laborers, you're going to be competitors with one another. And then the very next story that we see is a story about murder. That within the first generation that follows Adam and Eve, we hear come true the the promise that the serpent said would not be. The serpent says, you will not surely die. And yet, surely, 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 we see death play out in the story of humankind mm. immediately. And in the first two offspring of Adam and Eve, uh, we see Cain take Abel's life. And he asks this terrible, piercing question that should hover with us for the rest of the Bible Am I my brother's keeper? Which is answered at the cross in Christ with a resounding yes. Mm. He sees himself as our keeper. Mm. Hebrews says that um, the blood of Christ speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel cried out for justice and the blood of Christ calls out for mercy and grace. So when we read the sixth commandment, we should ask, am I my brother's keeper and not be content to answer the question with, oh, yes, so I should not kill him. Hmm. We should answer it with, how might I be a means of life for him? How might I assist him in his flourishing? How might I draw him into a better and more beautiful way of living? Um, It's not simply that we don't kill. It's that we we become preservers and protectors of life. Yeah, I love how you... You write, this doesn't mean we merely refrain from taking life, Mm -hmm. but run toward it, giving Mm -hmm. life, life protectors, esteem Mm -hmm. givers, peacemakers. And when I read that in the book, because you write write it so beautifully, I thought that's Jesus. It is. He ran to the cross. Yeah. He was not dragged to the cross. He ran Mm. because it's our life. That's right. Okay. We got to go to this one. All right. This is a big one. We're a marriage and family show. Uh, whether we were or not, we still need to talk about commandment number seven. Many people want to skip over it, but it's do not commit adultery. Yeah, that's right. And so, again, Jesus is helpful to us here. We don't have to wonder about the implications of this command. And we've said already that the order of the commands is important. Commit adultery comes after commit murder. And this is because both adultery and murder are expressions of contempt. People tend to mischaracterize the sin of adultery as, oh, they had a romantic entanglement and ended up, you know, having an affair. Uh, But what adultery is, is to adulterate something that was pure. Um, And we only adulterate something that is pure if we hold it in contempt. And so if I look at your marriage and decide that I'm going to adulterate it, it is because I hold your marriage in contempt. Or if I do that to my own marriage because I hold my marriage in contempt. I would also just, you know, note that when... um 
Jesus addresses adultery, he's almost always, it seems like, addressing husbands. And that's because, obviously, in the time in which he's speaking, the husbands held a great deal more power when it came to the way that a marriage was going to play out than women did. And so for a husband to hold a wife in contempt had a far greater damaging societal um, impact than it did if a wife were to hold a husband in contempt. They're sobering words. It is bad for the community when marriages don't stay healthy. Mm. It's bad for the community. It's not just bad for the family. It's bad for everyone that is around the family as well because responsibilities have to be shifted around in the community to care for a family unit that doesn't function um, the way that it was before. It was adulterated. But as Jesus points out in the Sermon on the Mount, adultery doesn't start with adultery. Adultery starts with lust. And... um we live in a lust-saturated culture. So whereas the sixth command says that you cannot eliminate your neighbor, the seventh command says you cannot consume your neighbor. Your neighbor is not consumable. Don't ever think that someone who is committing adultery is expressing love toward that person. Adultery is an act of contempt. It's an act of contempt toward the person, and it's an act of contempt toward the community as a whole. Wow. It's not often you think of it like that. No, I was going to say, you know, a man, I'll just speak for men, who's struggling with lust, Mm -hmm. sexual lust, because lust, ephemia, is Mm -hmm. strong desire. It's not Mm -hmm. naturally bad. But if you take that desire in the wrong way, Mm -hmm. you know, most men, almost all men would say, I feel no contempt Mm -hmm. toward my wife or toward my marriage. But you're saying at the heart of that, the Ten Commandments they're getting at, this is deeper than you think, Mm -hmm. right? Well, that's what Jesus says, right? He says that looks at a woman, what he's communicating is a desire to take her. Mm. And if you think about really even the story of King David, what did Samuel say? He said, you don't want a king over you because you know what he'll do? He will take, he will take, he will take, he will take. And we see Saul take and take and take and take. And then even David, Mm. who, who takes Bathsheba from Uriah. He acquires her. Those are contemptuous acts. Those Mm. are acts where you're saying, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. Lust is, you know, like like everything else, it's something, it's in its immediate form. It's not necessarily a sinful thing. But when it is something that you meditate on, when you allow it to have a foothold, that's when it immediately becomes about self-gratification. It's about self-gratification. It's about the consuming of another person for my own desires. I was just thinking of the guy listening, the husband, who we often go, oh, yeah, I'm good with number seven. I've, mm-hmm. I've never done that. I'm mm-hmm. never going to do that. But if you're playing with temptation mm-hmm. in whatever area, whether it's pornography or visual or some woman, you're, just, I would just say heed Jesus' words. Be very, very careful. Mm-hmm. Playing with temptation leads to devastation. I mean, it's just like you, you're on a path. And Dave, this is that true for women as well. Like for sure. Yeah, I can only men. talk about guys. I yeah. don't know about women. It absolutely is true for women too. You know what? Let's try it really quick. <laughs> I don't know if it's possible, but uh, you know, do not steal. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. do not bear false witness mm-hmm. and do not covet. Is there any way you can sort of massage those three in the next three or four minutes? Yeah, they're all about showing honor to other people's stuff, showing honor to other people's reputation, 
uh, and showing honor to personhood. Like and the last one, you shall not covet. You know, it's like if you've kind of been like, okay, I'm fine. I haven't done those things with my hands. And then the last one is, oh, well, it's actually not just your hands. It's your underlying motive for <laughs> all know. these other things, right? And you can think about how covetousness shapes all of the other uh, ones in the list. I think the first one and the last one are pointing toward all of the others in so many ways. But in the New Testament, you you hear the admonition to outdo one another in showing honor. And if we did that, we would be obeying all of the Ten Commandments. And wouldn't the people be flocking to our churches as we demonstrate that in our lives? Well, I mean, that's exactly it, isn't it? Is if you want a compelling witness in the world today, obey, <laughs> obey the Lord. Yeah. The things that he has said are good, that are for his glory and for your good, do those things Mm. and you will look like Christ. If the church did that, we might actually be a city on a hill. Mm. Last thought from you would be, so when I fail, Mm -hmm. I don't measure up Mm -hmm. to the law of God. And I'm close to giving up Mm -hmm. because I continue to fail. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that person? First, remember that when God saves us, he does so with all knowledge of every sin that we will ever commit. Mm -hmm. And so though your latest failure is a news to you, it is not news to him. And your sin is the product of a finite person. You only have, as Psalm 90 tells us, 70 or 80 years to work in as many sins as you can (laughs) or as much obedience as you can. But you will only sin so much. Uh, Grace originates in the heart of God and is infinite. And so you will not reach the end of it and you will not surprise him any time during your lifetime with, with another sin. On the other hand, I would say pay attention to the sins that you keep committing because you will not turn from a sin that you do not hate. You probably are still doing that same thing because it still feels more natural to you than righteousness Mm -hmm. and you don't yet recognize just how dangerous it is. And so ask the Lord to help you hate that sin. Think of any sin that you have you commit with less frequency than you used to or that you have stopped committing altogether. That's sanctification, right, Mm -hmm. is an increasing period of time between committing the same sin and a, a decreasing time between the sin and the repentance. That's so often how sanctification plays out. But the reason that you're turning from that sin and perhaps haven't from this one you've committed again is because you understand clearly just how bad that sin is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, you may just not be there yet. So ask the Lord to help you to measure the impact of that sin, not just on you, but on those around you and on your relationship with the Lord. And then ask him, Lord, I'm going to say it again. Keep creating in me a clean heart. Keep renewing a right spirit in me. And he will. You took a deep dive into this. And I think anytime we go really deep in God's word, it changes us. Mm-hmm. Like we make discoveries, we see things. How has this changed you? I think we all either tend to to be good rule followers or good rule breakers. Like we're, you know, we're either the legalist or the licentious person left to our own devices. And for me, I'm the, oh, I can do it. I'm, I'm, I'd be the person who's still standing, you know, after, after <laughs> David. I would, I'd be that, that guy, in the, cool, new, yeah. the guy in the New Testament who's like, all these things I have done, you know, what else would I do? That totally would be me. And Jesus <laughs> would tell me the parable of the Good Samaritan and just crush me like a bug. And I think that's what the Ten Commandments do. They crush us in the, in the best way because Christ is the 
embodiment of the law, and he's the stone um, that we either fall over or that we're crushed by. We want it to be a stumbling stone for us. We want it to make us fall again before him and mm. cry out for mercy. That's the ongoing process of the Christian life, and that that's what I need. I need the law to get bigger and bigger and bigger so that I can know, um, as the disciples say at one point, who then is equal to these things. And is that what you would hope for our listeners, for those that read your book? Yes. And that we would say, no one, no one is, no one can do these things apart from the Lord Mm. and to which Jesus responds, ask, seek and knock. And, and suddenly we're not asking for a new car or a better job or we're not seeking for, um, you know, which house to live in or what town to move to. Instead, we're asking that the Lord would grant us steadfastness and courage and repentance and um, kindness and generosity mm. and that he would grow character in us. So I think that is my prayer for anyone who spends time with the the law that is written on our hearts, meditating on it day and night, would be that rather than be carvers of graven images, we would ask the Lord to carve us into the image of Christ by his word, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So often husbands, wives, moms, dads will say, I want to have a great family. I want to have a great marriage. Mm -hmm. Listening to you the last couple of days, I thought, you know what you should do? Take the Ten Commandments, post them up on your (laughs) kitchen wall, which, again, we laugh because it's like, I don't want those there. It's going to be a burden. Mm -hmm. But if we delighted in doing Mm -hmm. what God commands, that's your subtitle, Mm -hmm. the relationships that matter most, which are in our home, Mm -hmm. would be literally transformed if we just allow God's power to enable us to live that out. Mm -hmm. Marriage would be better. Family would be better. Honor would look... It would just be beautiful. Mm -hmm. It would be... It's Mm -hmm. why God gave it to us. It isn't to be burdensome. It's to set us free to live the life that he wants us to flourish in. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America... The issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you have more questions on how to develop healthy marriages, how to be a better parent, how to make romance and sex work well, or how to grow spiritually? Check out some articles that will help challenge you to move forward well at our website. Go to families.powertochange.org.au for more information. Until tomorrow at the same time, God's richest blessings on your family.